Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, we've been doing shows every week now, as always, and trying not to use words like, you know, pandemic, Corona, COVID, just like we didn't used to say Trump. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like an ostrich puts his head in the sand and it, it makes the problem disappear. Uh, so this is our non-COVID, COVID gig economy episode because um, we're very interested in how work has changed for people, how money making has changed for people, what that means for people who have done work historically like Uber drivers, people who are delivering groceries, um, people with more traditional jobs, less traditional jobs, uh, and also artists. So that's a big catch all. But we happen to have some very interesting people with us today with extensive life experience and interests. So we wanted to cast a wide net uh, for topics. Uh, let me start by welcoming both of you guys, Andre Baca in San Francisco, Jordan Correno in St. Petersburg, Florida. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for getting it right. I appreciate Give, give it up for yeah, St. Pete. And, and for our and for our listeners who are unfamiliar, St. Petersburg is uh, quite near Tampa, Florida. <laughs> which, which you may have heard of because they have professional sports franchises. All right. Uh, welcome to both of you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks to both of you for your you know respective ideas and input on this conversation. You've both been here before. Um, because we've had conversations about Uber drivers and the gig economy in the past when Uber drivers were trying to unionize. Um, Andre, you were a cab driver for a long time, and we've had conversations with you about how the futures and fortunes of cab drivers in San Francisco and everywhere have changed with the rise of you know uh, hailing apps, Lyft and Uber. Um, so this is kind of a convergence of all of those different conversations, because whatever questions we had about the economy you know, before, you know, let's say Valentine's Day this year have completely been turned inside out. Um, some sectors of the economy weirdly are booming as there are new necessities and uh, the rest is hollowing out and people are having to try to pick up the pieces. Um, so I thought it'd be good for us to have an open conversation about, you know, your specific circumstances and then also just what you guys are seeing around you. Um, and I'll start with you, Dre, because you're the one who reached out to me about this. I know that your circumstances have changed over the years. You drove a cab for a long time. You know, you're a filmmaker, you're a musician, uh, and now you're working as a longshoreman. Um, but you said there were some specific things about the way that um, at least ride sharing, Lyft, Uber, and cabs have changed just over the past couple months in the context of, you know, a global health crisis. Yeah. Um, so welcome and hello to everybody out there. Um, First thing I would say is, so before the, the pandemic hit, like in January in New York, um, there's a great expose uh, in the New York Times that was done about how bad things were in the cab industry there and broke up in the story with Michael Cohen, who, which is ironically, he just got released from prison to go serve his sentence at home. Um, he was behind a big scam and a scheme to defraud a uh, uh, the medallion system in New York, which was very successful in defrauding and uh, making the value of those medallions uh, just astronomical. And um, they decided they were going to bail out all the medallion holders in New York. And Frisco was looking into doing the same thing, but they're just moving so much slower. And then this happens. 
And now we're in the possibility, and also at the same time that this is all happening, Uber and Lyft were handed, you know, January 1st was the turn of the calendar, as well as the, the new system of them having to pay uh, their drivers no longer saying that they're, they're not, um, what is it, uh, contractors, and they had to be employees. And that basically put them into serious jeopardy of whether they want to even continue operating in the state of California because it's just, they can't do it. There's no way they can, uh, in the classification, it, the way it is now to pay insurance and all the benefits, they, they're they just not going to do it. And they, I think it was yesterday. And that's a, that's a California law, right? It's a California law that changes is. the status of like what we would call gig economy workers that Correct. they can't just be considered contractors. They have to be Correct. employees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's AB5, and, and um, they just got handed down, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, they went to the Supreme Court, and they were, that's what they, this is what the, the tried and true method by the TNC firms, is they take it all the way to the, as far as they can in court, and once they get the losses, they'll either change or they leave the state, and I know it's hard for them to leave, but I don't see any way that they could have survived by uh, allowing people to, you know, one of the biggest markets in, in the world. To uh, just classify them as employees and start paying them like true employees, and so there, there's a well. I wonder if that has implications now, um, because one of the big questions uh, with a with a health crisis is, you know, the problems with our social safety net, right? Like everybody says, like, yeah, just hustle and you know, you know, make money where you can, join the join the gig economy. But the the question that it raises is like, well, if you have an economy that ties your health insurance to your employer and if you're not really an employer or a contractor what happens when you whatever anything from break a leg to you know a, a global health pandemic but it doesn't seem like that's having any implications right it's not like uber drivers have health coverage all of a sudden in california yeah and also to your point they're trying to get benefits like everybody else who's rushing to get a you know stimulus money and unemployment checks and the the CEO is not making it easy for them to classify themselves. So all you have all these drivers like your, your cousin here, who is um, you know, trying to figure out how to do it in the state of California, and they're not clarifying. Well, how do how do I mark myself on a box that doesn't really exist for me to get my money, just like everybody else? And it's like, well, and so now the, the Supreme Court said, no, you you've run out of time. You have to. These people were voted in. Uh, and the the law was voted in as you know you're no longer playing this game. They're employees as of January first, twenty twenty. Handle it, and so they have a decision to make. And and then this happens, and now basically everybody becomes a delivery driver. But you still have to pay people, you know, a fair share. And the funny thing too is if you watch old episodes of Seinfeld, um, which are on all the time and all kinds of different channels that two in the morning, whatever they've actually done some episodes on delivery workers showing up. And, you know, sometimes it was just a beat where they open the door, grab the Chinese food and close the door. But they did an episode where, you know, the delivery driver shows up and he wouldn't deliver to across the hallway. So they would use like uh, Kramer's address instead. And that was like one of the episodes. And it's like, we've been doing delivery for forever. And it's the, the internet is the tried and true scam way of, or the gig economy is the scam way 
of reinventing the wheel, funneling the people, the traffic, and all their information to your site and your app, and then making it shittier or, or excuse me, but worse for everybody. Um, that actually does the grunt work, and we're faced yeah. with that yeah. same thing. Where right now it's like we don't really need these apps. We can just call the restaurant and pay these people a better wage. Yeah. So are you saying that even people who are traditional Uber and Lyft drivers who are usually carrying passengers have now shifted to just carrying, like doing deliveries? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. A lot of them have, uh, they, they talk in Facebook groups and um, they, they definitely have picked up some of the slack and a local guy here, he had just signed up where like 10 days uh, before went out and made his first couple of deliveries and he leaves the, uh, the car running gets out, makes a delivery. The woman meets him on the curb and a guy saw that he had the car running. So he just jumped in and stole his, you know, brand new, well, almost brand new car that he's used. Oh, damn. Yeah. Trying to finance through these wages and now the car's (laughs) gone. So, Damn, you know, I've been know. thinking about this. This is this is definitely off topic. So, you know, our producer Eming's going to get mad at me. But I've been wondering, is this a really good time to commit a crime or a really bad time <laughs> to commit a crime? Because I feel like on the one hand, it's good because there's nobody in the streets. Right. So there are no witnesses. Right. And you can wear a mask and you're not even suspicious if you're wearing a mask, you know. But then, you know, I talk to people I know. I mean, obviously, I work in a uh, an office that represents people who are charged with crimes. And, uh, and I talked to my brother who's a police officer. He's like, yeah, man, like, because there's nobody in the streets, like you're going to get caught eventually. You know what I mean? Like, we don't even have to hurt you. We're just be like, Oh, there was, there was a guy wearing pants who stole my car. We're like, all right, yeah, we'll find him. A guy wearing pants. <laughs> He'll show up eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, I'll let you guys know. I'm plotting my own kind of Ocean's Eleven pandemic edition. <laughs> um, but Jordan, I'm curious if what you're hearing from Andre is kind of is similar to what you're seeing uh, in the St. Petersburg area, also known as the Tampa in the Tampa Bay area. But is, is this changed um, your work? Have you stopped driving because of your own health? Like what are, yeah, what are so, people doing? What, I haven't driven in about probably three, maybe four weeks now. Um, but he, he kind of touched on a point and he was getting to it where like, it's the whole unemployment benefits thing. Uber sent out, uh, an email to the drivers. I want to say probably in February saying if you are affected by COVID-19 in any way, we'll provide, I think it was up to six weeks of your average weekly pay um, that you have made over a certain time period over like the last six months. We'll do that for six weeks if you're affected. But the conditions were that you either had to get sick or the area that you work in had to officially and fully shut down. Um, So for my area, uh, the wonderful state of Florida, it is just absolutely the most half-assed, half in, half out shutdown that you've ever seen. Uh, we are closed. People are to self-isolate and quarantine. However, if you're an essential business, you can remain open. And this includes things like dog groomers and uh, every law office. Uh, Uber is considered an essential service. Now, however, I live in an area that's highly reliant on tourism. 
and people going to the beaches on the weekend. But the beaches are closed and the restaurants and bars are closed. So am, who am I really supposed to be driving? There's no more traffic coming in for people going on vacation. Uh, so where am I really supposed to be gathering business? Well, you got to go deliver food. But uh, yeah, then the other part of that is like, you know, if if my government is kind of telling me it's serious enough and I should be self-isolating, uh, should I should I even really be out there delivering food around from places like, I don't know, uh, McDonald's and Burger King? Exactly. Just compounding the issue. You know, people with underlying health conditions suffer the most from uh, from the disease. And you don't consider the fact that obesity is an underlying health condition and 60 percent of Americans are obese. So, I mean, you know, should I be contributing to the problem myself? But more importantly, should I not just consider my health before anything else? Uh, and do I really want to be out there exposing myself to multiple people uh, at a time during the day, you know? Is that what informed your decision to stop driving? Was just your concerns about getting sick? Yeah, so last weekend I drove, I uh, was driving downtown. Everything was still open. And I picked up this guy and he handed me a bunch of packets of uh, of hand sanitizer. <laughs> he was like, here, take these. And I was like, yo, appreciate that. Uh, I don't know why you're carrying around these packets. He's like, oh, because I probably have it. So you're probably going to catch it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm just going to be picking up strangers for, oh. for weeks and weeks on end. And I have no idea if they have it, if they yeah. don't have it. There's no screening process. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 the time that we live in that you, if you're a, a working class individual, you have to decide uh, health or, you know, uh, or, or going broke, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't. The problem is, is because every, because Uber is technically classified as an essential service. I can't claim that I'm unemployed. Uh and I can't claim the relief package that Uber Uber's offering because technically I still can go out and work. Um, but, you know, there's nowhere for me to be driving people. The restaurants are all closed. The beaches are closed. What, where am I supposed to be taking people in a beach town? You know what I mean? Well, I remember your sweet spot used to be, correct me if I'm wrong, like really, really late Saturday night, technically Sunday morning. Uh, because you could like bring home people who were like had had one night stands from exactly, the night before, yeah. and also and if you waited around long enough, it would it would be time for the old yes. ladies to go to church, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That was your. I'd get up at like four a.m. on uh, on Sunday yeah. morning, technically like Saturday night, and get all the stragglers from the bar, take them yeah. home, and then pick up people who had you know. Yeah. And I used to play cocaine or church, and we pull up. And depending on whether the person said, how's your night going or how's your morning going, you could guess whether they were, you know, partaking in cocaine or church. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh. That's true. <laughs> there's, there's some overlap in that yeah, right. diagram. Yeah, but, you know, of course, now the situation uh, is that there are no one night stands. There is no Saturday night and yeah. there is no church. You can't you can't do either one. You know what I mean? You can't choose a path of sin or a path of righteousness, man. You just got to go right down the middle. And that means that you have nobody to give a ride to. Uh, I'm very interested in the political implications or the what I guess would count as a technicality. Like you wouldn't be eligible for unemployment because your job is considered essential, even if there isn't any. Well, work that's the thing is that there is work you to know? do. You can deliver food. And because you can you still deliver food, even though I've never I haven't delivered. I haven't done Uber Eats as a driver since it first came out. It, the problem for me is I pick up food. I get hungry. Mm -hmm. Now I want to eat food. And it's just a vicious cycle. It's like uh, sure. it's like fat bastard sure. in uh, Austin Powers. I eat because I smell the food, you know, and it's just a continuous cycle or whatever. 
I, what he said was, I eat pickles, I'm depressed. <laughs> because I eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it's something similar, something along those lines. So, but, so for me, like, I've Got never it. really done uh, delivery driving. And even beyond that, even if there were people to drive around, I, if there's a health crisis going on, you only get you only get one life. You know what I mean? Uh, we can all go into you know financial ruin and recover. It's the it's the great American dream, isn't it? I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Among other things. Sorry. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah. um, Dre, I'm interested in uh, what what this time means for longshoremen. Obviously, there's still a lot of uh, goods being transferred. And I, I'm curious, like, is a longshoreman an essential worker? You're still getting called into work. What does it look like to get called into work when you're a longshoreman? Are you concerned about your health? You know, do you consider yourself an, an essential worker? What does that look like? Uh, well, Dragon. I mean, it's, it's a huge part. It's a huge part of the uh, economy. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely is kind of essential. Um, and so what's happening right now is China is ahead of the schedule or ahead of uh, our schedule and ahead of us and their businesses uh, starting to pick back up. And it's without the Chinese ships going around the world, delivering goods and picking up goods, you don't have a lot of business. And um, this was uh, 2020 was going to be a record year for the cruise ship industry, which is also, you know, that's how they, the, the Bay Area is split. It's, uh, Frisco is all for cruise ships, and uh, the shipyards in Oakland are the uh, uh, all the commerce and all the cargo. Uh, so you you have what happened, of course, and that everybody saw that the princess ships that were pretty much all of them got infected, and uh, one of my coworkers, yeah, was on that ship, and um, so you have none of that business. So. I definitely have started to file for unemployment because I'm working maybe one day a week, so it's really minimal. But uh, and you were it, you you were working what five days a week, six days a week before that it was full time. No, they were calling you. I'd say like three to four, which is you know it's good because it you know it's a it is a good good wage for the union. The union does that's that's what unions do in America. Uh, but uh, the what they had what backfired on us, and nobody could have imagine this is that they hired people for that you know record year in the cruise industry and then it collapsed before our eyes and you have all these excess people that are new to our union and so they're they're taking up work that should have been for us veterans and now they're they're in the the loop and they're getting work and so it just jammed things up but um but it also has implications to like you know like tesla tesla is the the most successful car company in the world and it happens to be an American car company when at a time when very and especially now, nobody's gonna be buying cars anymore, at least for a while. And that was a big deal for us because they they uh we deliver their cars out of a, a port of San Francisco. And when that dries up, you're like, Well, that's one another yet another way to have less work, which is um successful cars that are being shipped out are no longer moving until China and South Korea get back in the game, which luckily they're starting to. So we'll see if that, you know, start to help things out. But it's, it's uh... I was thinking about the car industry today because uh, I was watching television. You know how every commercial now is like 
now more than ever, like we're, we're in this together. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter what the product is. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, they want to try and hitch their wagon to this um, tragedy star. Uh, and I, I've started to pull out some of those phrases like now more than ever is like the, the most common one. And it doesn't matter what the product is. It's like now more than ever, it's important to blank. And uh, I was watching it like it was just on in the background or now more than ever. I was like, what is this for? I looked over. It was a Lexus commercial. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't have anything against luxury cars. I don't have anything against Lexus. Uh, but you definitely can't make a claim that now more than ever you need to buy a Lexus because probably now less than ever you need to buy a Lexus. Less than ever you need to buy a car. You're not yeah, going true. anywhere, man. Fair point. <laughs> a let alone yeah. to, a let alone to take that car, which is you know, which uh, Uber and Lyft got a lot of people to buy cars, which was great for the uh, you know the car industry, and um, these people were financing it through the the and not very good finance terms, but they're financing these cars on really, once again, little wages, below min, below minimum wage to put a put a cherry on the top, uh, below minimum wage, and they're fronting all the costs of insurance and the wear and tear. Jordan knows about this of paying for the gas. The, the the gas prices out here are high, Florida probably not, but um. You know, you're you're fronting all that cost that they just don't have to compete with, which is why the cab companies were just on fumes because you just can't compete with that kind of a model where they have they have no cost and and people kept saying, oh, but I love the freedom and it's like, well, yeah, but you're you're not even making minimal wage, so it just it's just it makes you feel good to be moving around and you feel like you're you're making money, but if you actually do the math, your your car has been devalued in in two months immensely with the mileage you're putting on it and then if, if yeah. you happen to get into a, a wreck you know it's just it's just awful yeah jordan has has any of this caused you to reevaluate your role in the gig economy are you thinking about you know however long in the future when when we're starting to get back to life as we used to know it uh is this causing you to reevaluate that are you thinking about uh, you know, well, so I had like a, like a, I would call it like a four or five month plan to get out of Ubering and transition into a new career path that I had, I had, you know, just started laying, I guess, the groundwork into getting into. Um, and I actually had just started doing that job and then this hit and it since canceled that. So, uh, you know, I'd already planned to get out of Uber for all the reasons that, you know, Dre just mentioned the, here you can make a little bit of money on it, but when you really do the math, you're not making that much money when you take out the costs that you're putting into it uh, weekly, monthly, and then over the lifetime of owning a car. Um, and so, yeah, I was I was going to get out of it, um, especially now that you look at it and when backs against the wall, uh, what is the company going to do to have your back? Considering, once again, we're fronting all the upfront costs for them. And uh, doing all the work and they're just kind of it's like pimping out drivers, so to speak, uh, via app. And uh, they really I don't know. I just haven't seen them have drivers backs that much uh, for the for the drivers that have gotten sick. Yeah, maybe. And for the drivers in places that have completely shut down like New York City. But for the rest of us who, for the most part, have lost probably 70, 80 percent of the business that we rely on to have, you know, no type of relief or even type of direction and how to collect unemployment because, you know, they may be considered employees out in 
California, but we're contractors here in Florida. So, you know, if we're just not getting contracted work, I don't even, I don't think that we qualify in the state of Florida for unemployment benefits. Um, and so, yeah. Not that they're giving out unemployment benefits in Florida anyway. <laughs> no you know, Voldemort came in and he stomped around and just <laughs> threw a shit out. He pooped in the Everglades. He, you know, destroyed all the safety nets of the state. Uh, and yeah, now we get to reap what he sowed and it's not so great. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I've been trying. I just want you to know I've been in a lot of situations lately where I've had to defend the state of Florida because I'm tired of everybody saying Florida is the worst state. You know, I think it's just kind of a ridiculous misnomer and everybody wants to beat up on somebody. Yeah, sure. It's a lawless swamp, you know, but there's, there's a lot of wonderful things about Florida. So I'm doing a lot of defense of Florida lately and then all in a row. One uh, professional wrestling is determined to be an essential essential aspect of our economy, right? NASCAR Florida, too. Florida did that. that. Um, <laughs> yeah, NASCAR. Uh, and then another. Yeah, now more than uh, ever, we need no, NASCAR. It's just... <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, um, you know, the mayor of Jacksonville tells everybody to go to the beach, right? That was not too long after that. And then the one that's like not even a joke is uh, I'm reading all these stories about pe- about how slow. I mean, everybody, all every state is having a hard time processing unemployment claims, right? Because it's completely overwhelming. But Florida, from everything I understand, is just like they're not even oh, responding. Yeah. It's they're they're so backlogged. People, they're not responding no and then checks. they're not even taking any protective measures to help the average working person. This is a tourism state. Most of the people here rely on what's called a season, which is happening right now. Well, not really. Technically, no one's in town. No one's on vacation. The family's not, you know, buying, you know, drinks at the bar and dinner every night and paying, you know, the youth staff to babysit their kids. Uh so like, you know, you would hope that the state would be ready. No, nothing. Just just terrible. Just mismanagement. It's just, you know, across the country for the most part, just totally unprepared. You know, if yeah. only the virus could have been uh, some type of foreign fighter, we could have bombed it to death. But unfortunately for us, that's an impossibility. So the trillions <laughs> of dollars we spent into being able to blow things up uh, are of, of no use to us yeah. now. It's frustrating, man. It would be a lot easier if this yeah, world exactly. war. Exactly. You know, at least we did have some type of direction going, other than floating meaningless abyss yeah. in Trump America of not knowing what the hell is actually going on. Well, we have a very traditional camp, so we know how to act when there's a war. You know, you got people over here who are like, ah, war is bad. You know, they take off their shoes. They have a drum circle. And then you have people over here who are like, hey, war is great. And then they have like bigger and bigger American flags and then it gets vaguely (laughs) racist. Um, So that's something that I'm familiar with. You know, I've been through those cycles a couple of times in my life. But now nobody knows what camp to belong to. Until recently, people were like, hey, what if we just took all the people who were like vaguely racist and really into wars and told them that the quarantine was a hoax? <laughs> Maybe that would be like its own camp. So we're kind of settling into it. There's a way that we've we found we found a way to to work the culture war, which is just an absurd, absurd construction 
you know, by politicians in order to divide us so they can conquer us and put it into the midst of a, a health panic. I don't understand. I mean, maybe you can explain this to me, but I, like, how did we find a way to insert our human culture war drama into the fact that like our whole like what if aliens had invaded? I, I always I think of a virus as kind of like an alien invasion because it's a human problem. It's a global problem. It's not a political problem. Right. It's like we all as a species have this collective problem, like aliens came to this planet. We got to band together and we got to fight the aliens. And it's like, oh, we have a virus. You know, there's like it's a time for humanity to hit pause. Am I am I naive that I expected well, it to go like, that have way? You ever watched the Walking Dead? <laughs> have you ever watched The yeah. Walking Dead? I, I haven't watched The Walking Dead. You watch like like an apocalyptic show and you and like you watch people do like insanely selfish and like terrible things and you go, no one would ever do that. Like, well, this is unrealistic somewhat. They would just help each other out. But as we can all see, the truth, the fact of the matter is no, 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 my friend, we're not going to stand together. We're going to lose our ever loving (laughs) minds and fight each other. Human pettiness (laughs) knows no bounds. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter what it is, man. We're going to find plus, a way. And plus, it, it, it robs Americans the reason to go out and, and purchase uh, machetes and other weapons. Like, the, the, the lines for the gun, the gun shops was immensely long. But it's like, what, like yeah. you said, this is not The Walking Dead. You don't get to walk out and start uh, putting bullets in the brains of these, <laughs> like, zombies. You can't, sh- you can't <laughs> shoot the virus. You, there's nothing and it's like, yeah it's it's like the world's most boring pandemic because you just like oh there's this you know hor- horrific thing happening but you just can't go outside it's like are you kidding me like it's the most boring thing for people <laughs> to, to like watch CNN and Fox News all, at all hours of the night and day and then they're like but I can't do anything it's like yep yeah. that's that's success, success exactly not doing anything Except ordering your food, and that's what you should do as a good American. Yes, order your food. Make sure your Uber driver brings you your <laughs> McDonald's. And specify in the comments that you want sweet and sour sauce and tip well, them extra. It's like the thing about the protest and the the whole like you know choosing sides is neither. If we're talking about the, the sides of either of this non-existing debate, no one's debating whether it's a dangerous disease or not. It's just like, well, where do we want our blood to be spilled? Do we want it to be spilled via you know financial ruin, or do we want it to be spilled via uh, medical system collapse? Let's let's decide our fate. And half the people are like, it's more important to save the market, even though we exist in the world's richest country and we probably shouldn't consider the financial implications before we start worrying about the medical ones but that's what you know half of the country apparently or not half but the very vocal minority wants to do is uh pay blood sacrifice to the american economy just so things get back to normal yeah yeah well there's also like a pretty creepy thing like i you know uh i I got very interested in what they used to call malthusian uh malthusian malthusianism do you guys know about this the idea that population growth is is potentially exponential like basically it's it's good for us to get thinned out every once in a while like cigarettes like yeah you don't want to make laws about cigarettes because that you know that that thins out the herd a little bit yes wonderful (laughs) yeah Yeah, sure i don't think societies walked this path before yeah a lot of people have had that 
People have had that interpretation many times, starting with memes about, you know, boomer remover, right? They're like, oh, it only kills old people. Like, who, who wants them anymore anyway? Which I was like, wow, young people have really achieved a new level. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't even really be mad at them. I was just like, it's so out there. I kind of, you know, and it's also presented in a comedic way. It's not like a scholar that it's like, well, you know, actually, you know, because it's so hard for young people in this economy, they were just like, nah, man, take them out. Damn. Boomer remover. It rhymes. It must be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But there are probably other people who, I mean, this is probably maybe even like a social Darwin thing, right? I guess this isn't really Darwinism, but just the idea is like, yeah, some people are going to die. Some people aren't. And maybe the social Darwin aspect is like, oh, do you have a good immune system? <laughs> you know, like if so, that you can you can reap the spoils of this economy. If everybody just goes back to work right now, there will be a huge demand of labor. Uh, and because there will be less people who could fill those jobs, which I mean, I don't think the people on the front steps of, you know, um, the, the government house in, in Austin are thinking <laughs> this clearly necessarily, but I'm sure there are pe the people who are paying them to be there, you know, whatever Koch brothers or whoever else is spreading misinformation on Facebook to organize it, are thinking like, this could work out well for us. You know, I'm sure there is like a room, there, there is like a think tank that is like, hey man, we got we got to project this into the future. How does this the guidestones of Georgia, dude? I also think that there's. Oh, you haven't, Wait, you, you haven't watched enough ancient aliens around. on History Channel if you don't know about the Georgia guy. <laughs> I resent that. I've actually watched a lot of ancient aliens. Someone like paid to erect these stones in like some hill in Georgia. I want to say in like the fifties. That talks. It's like has like seven different languages on it, and it talks about like you know the thinning out of the uh, American or not the American the the global population at some point in the near future, and you know everyone's like, oh, it's a prophecy. <laughs> wow now i gotta go look this up this sounds like the kind of thing jordan that our uncle would be putting on facebook every day <laughs> <laughs> well he'll remain nameless just out of respect for him but, uh, <laughs> unfortunately yeah that's that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i do want i mean we can only do so much gallows humor although this has been <laughs> quite enjoyable thanks guys for being able to go there with me <laughs> but i i do want to end on a high note because there are a lot of interesting things happening uh with people spending time indoors and utilizing their time uh in a productive way and a lot of this has affected artists right people who are musicians who are performing from home and I know that both of you guys have a background in art and filmmaking and music. Uh, we talked earlier about Travis Scott having a concert on Fortnite, which I think is just genius. That's just like, and we could talk, we could do a whole show about the fact that the pandemic is just like forcing people to live the virtual lives that we're all going to be living in 20, 30, 40 years anyway. You know, like this is just the encouragement that we needed to completely retreat to the Internet, which is why everybody's playing Animal Crossing and, um, you know, uh, first person fighter games and going <laughs> to concerts. But I am curious. <laughs> on, yeah, right. I am curious for you, uh, Jordan, what this means for you as a musician, because you're an artist, you make a lot of music, you're a rapper, you have, you know, a big social media presence, you make YouTube videos, you got Freestyle Fridays. If you're in the house, does that mean every day is a Freestyle Friday? Like, what does this look like as an artist? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely given me a lot of time to be creative and like work on my craft, sometimes too much time. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, it's this interesting world now where everyone's kind of forced to stay inside and like forced to the Internet to consume every aspect of music. I mean, probably like a week into the quarantine stuff, Erica Badu's on her Facebook live in her, you know, uh, bedroom doing a concert or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, a you know, <laughs> the sad truth about uh, capitalism is that every uh every moment uh emergency and and crisis is actually an opportunity to to make money uh or like at least advance your your personal aspirations uh and the fact of the matter is is people are got have a lot of time to give their attention to stuff and if you're creating and you're putting yourself out in those digital spaces you know i've I'm working on putting out a quarantine tape, you know, because stuff I've written since we've been on lockdown and putting out little clips of of me doing, you know, like rough drafts of that, trying to do a, a concert on stream. I had planned to fly over to France this summer and do a couple of shows, but alas, uh, this had to happen. So now how do I get how do I get to perform in front of those people? And now more than ever, they're more open and receptive to the idea of doing it via stream, whereas before they would have been like, nah, concerts are supposed to be in person. Well, now we can't do that. So if our only option is, is you go on online and do it via stream. And once you get there and you see it and you realize, actually, this is actually kind of cool. I mean, you have Manny Fresh battling, uh, who was it, uh, doing a beat battle, and that's led to DJ Premier battling, um, oh, I can't remember, but there's been all these, all these like really high profile hip hop battle, like producer battles uh, online and stuff. And people are now opening their, their minds to it more and more and accepting it. Uh, and yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just forcing people into these spaces uh, a little earlier than we all were going to end up being in them anyways. And you are doing, I, I hope I get this phrase right, there There was a quarantine freestyle, right? There is material that has been influenced by what's happening in the world, which is, you know, you're a storyteller, right? Is it right? Wasn't that one of your, one of the freestyles that you posted was just talking about yeah, being exactly, laid up in the man. house? I mean, the, when you freestyle, <laughs> you pull what's on top of the brain, you know, or at least I'm one of the people that believes that's what that means. There's, a, we could do a whole discussion on that. <laughs> That is well, what I know, but means. listen, there's a whole <laughs> debate because LL Cool J said this one thing one time on MTV, yo MTV rap. So maybe he's like, you know, he's the head. Oh man, he's the guy from. That's the guy from CSI. LL <laughs> Cool J does not have any doesn't, doesn't have any credibility in the rap world. Or NCIS. <laughs> well, you know, if, you got a, if you got a freestyle Friday and you're locked in quarantine and you're stuck in the house, then you know you rap what's on your mind, and that's quarantine, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, have been checking out, checking them out periodically. That's why I wanted to ask you about it, because I thought this is pretty good content. And the sound is better because usually Freestyle Fridays, you're driving the Uber and it's like just the phone is just mounted on the dashboard. But now it's like, you know, you got the, the mic oh, no, is it's, out. It's forcing it's, you to, you, to improve, improve your game and step it up, so to speak. I mean, like, once again, you meet with crisis and yeah. you either grow and, and you meet the challenges and come out better for it. Or, you know, you you succumb to the circumstances yeah. and go, whoa, is me. Uh, you know, I can't go downtown and do a show now, but like, you know, now I can, I can plan to stream a show on YouTube, hopefully coming up this Friday with the, you know, as you said, the sound quality, the mic plugged up, have a turntable set, be able to play the beats and, you know, see how many people show up. Cause you know, I was trying to go see him anyway. So we'll see it. What you got to do is make a commercial that's like rap concerts now more than ever. <laughs> now more than ever. <laughs> well, so I so like talk about I have a good friend who has been streaming on Twitch for probably four or five years now. 
And she said right now, like, it's better than ever to be now more than ever streaming on Twitch is a necessity if you're a musician. (laughs) (laughs) Watching other people play video games. That's the thing is that Twitch probably when she started four or five years ago, they actually came to her and asked her, like, would you mind coming on our platform and performing music? We're trying to, like, pivot away from just being a video game site. And, like, if you if you go on Twitch nowadays and and you can find people DJing, producing, uh, playing, like, playing a guitar and singing. Um, and now like Twitch did a whole uh, relief concert festival for I think it was a 24-7 concert and my friend my friend ended up playing after Garth Brooks and I told her I said Garth Brooks I said Garth Brooks open for you how cool is that (laughs) you gotta put that on your resume (laughs) but like well here's the question to get us back to the gig economy are people on Twitch getting paid right do you would you think that your friend or other people at that level of performance are getting compensated like in a way like can you make a living as a Twitch artist That's, or can you well, start so to make a living as a Twitch, Twitch artist? The way Twitch works, it's a streaming platform service. People, it was mainly used for video games, but uh, you know they're expanding now. Um, but you go and you set up your channel, and you can if you get to be a partner, which you just meet certain qualifications for your streams over a certain period of time, then uh, you basically sell subscriptions to your channel. And that gives, you know, your subscribers access to certain content, different, you know, like emojis they can use in the chat or whatever. But uh, you can also put a little tip jar up on the screen. And that's how she made her money playing on Twitch was that she put a tip jar up. People would come hang out, request songs. She'd learn how to cover songs live on the stream or whatever play take requests you know play the songs that people requested she'd make money from subscriptions and then she started being able to like book places to go on tour and then she'd go tour places where she had a lot of viewers and they'd come out and watch her live and she'd stream the concerts live um and that kind of community has been bubbling under the surface and slowly growing and growing i went and did a show with her uh in colorado she had me out there um and she had like three or four streamers showed up but then she had like 500 people watching the stream and she ended up making on the stream like 800 bucks or something just from people tipping and subscribing uh and she broke even at the club Mm -hmm. or whatever um and so nowadays because everyone's forced to go online she told me she's like it's booming you should really think about getting into it and figuring out what you could do on a regular basis you know on a channel or whatever for three or four hours um but Maybe her and Garth Brooks and Travis Scott. Well, go ahead, Dre. What do you worry uh, about? No, I was going to say that um, it, I feel like it's it's a it's a short lived game because it right now like there's probably going to be people that get Rona famous. You're just going to get famous for like <laughs> one one or two months more, and the minute that they open things back up, everybody's going to be clamoring to go to live comedy shows live yeah. concerts live anything I, even like theaters i think are going to have a problem because who wants to sit in a dark place and look yeah. at the screen which we've already been doing so it's like yeah. people are going to be clamoring to be together and be outside and you know uh in front of like live comedy live theater broadway all that stuff so it's like well, okay you build up somewhat of a, a good thing but then it's like well nobody's gonna care unless like and you brought up a good point jordan which is erica badu whose career has kind of been over for a while and she came back out and she's doing her streaming is better than anybody that I've seen so far because she, her team of people made the right tweaks and the right light show and and just the uh, everything that just like, you're like, wow, 
this girl who's been around forever had like upped her game and she's got you know a lot of new new fans again for somebody who's been around which is great for her because she's got a long uh discography that people can tap into but then it's like if you don't have that i don't know but i i mean i do you do prove you make up a point about getting people to show up either to whether it's the twitch stream or the the live show you still can make money but I, I just don't see there's a room for all of us to be able to get some of that share of performance from your, your living well, room. Well, no, I mean, it's definitely a different so. like stage and it's definitely a different type of performance you have to put on. Like, you know, if, if I'm rapping on stage, I'm, I'm doing like crowd work. I'm, you know, working with the audience, so, you know, crowd response, stuff like that. I'm not going to get on the stream and go, now everyone put your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey. And when I say hey, I'll say, oh, because what's, you know, what's that? That's not going to play online or whatever. Um, and it's, it's probably going to be a case yeah. where people get Rona famous, but they find out, you know, actually, I'm not supposed to exist on a stage downtown at a bar. This is my little vibe right here. Um, but like, you know, yeah, the thing is, is yeah. music has been moving towards accessibility more and more. I mean, it's it's about your social media presence. Um, it's about, you know, like Cardi B is a social media superstar as much as she is famous for making music. Takeshi 69 blew up by being an Internet troll. Um, and is still being relevant by being an internet troll, despite the fact that he's a, a well-known snitch. The hip-hop culture has drastically been flipped on its head all of a sudden, if he's allowed to stay relevant. But, uh... Listen, the culture's been flipped on its head a long time, man. Oh, Drake no. opened the floodgates. No, you, you're not allowed to bring Drake up. You're not allowed to bring Drake up because you know how you get and you know where you go. And we're not going to tread these same arguments that. over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I think the people who listen thoroughly understand every one of your Drake opinions. And so we can just say at this point, okay. insert every Russell Drake no. opinion you've ever heard. And then we can bookend it with, with, okay, but still, you know, there's a place online for artists who can come up with an interesting angle to stream to make a decent amount of change, man. Fine. I, I would stand by the fact that it's relevant. If we had no Drake, we'd have no Takashi 69. Final answer. That's it. <laughs> uh, also, also, before we move on, I have to ask a very important question. I've heard both of you now use the phrase Rona famous. Is that a word that has been coined here tonight by our own Andre Baca or are people talking about being Rona famous out there in the world, in the internet world? Oh, I yeah, I wish I wish I could take credit for that, but that's yeah, that's the internet. Uh, oh, I, I kept hearing hear about the Rona. Rona kept uh, coming up on Twitter, and I was like, "What is yeah. this becoming?" Well, I know, a thing I know about Rona. I know about Rona. I know that she's got a nickname now, but I let I really <laughs> specifically like the idea of Rona famous. That's okay, the then that is coined. That is coined by me then, because no, I, yes, I have. He was the first that. one to say it, yes. so I'm, I'm. I was just jumping on the phraseology. <laughs> I liked it as well. <laughs> Great. Maybe we could do like a side project, you know, podcast that's just Rona famous. You know what I mean? And just bring people on. I think that's his that's his 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 mixtape from his from his live stream on Twitch right there. Call it the yeah. Rona tape. Absolutely, the Rona, absolutely Rona man. Fame. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing for me is that like this is like you know the, the MC competitive part of me that lives in my soul. Like, oh, eat eat every MC, smash him in a battle. That type of mindset is like. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people came out with these little, you know, parody Rona songs about, you know, like the Snoop Dogg Gin and Juice remakes about being in the house or whatever. 
Um, but okay, now the gimmicks are out. Are you actually putting yeah. in the work to your craft? Because, you know, music is largely a at-home independent game nowadays. So if this is really your passion and your and the thing you're trying to get after, well, let's see it, man. You got all the time in the world. There's no more excuses. Or I'm going to turn it around back on you. Where's your Where's your oh, Luna track? Oh, see, that's the thing is we, we we're not we're not gimmicks. <laughs> we're not gimmicks. We're raw. No man, no. You know, like Sorry, it's man. it's like. Uh, do you want to be like the guy that blows up and is like uh, like like Macklemore was like the guy who made the Seattle Mariners anthem, or do you want to be something other than that? Do you want to? Be- that's not who. That's not who Macklemore was. Macklemore <laughs> was the thrift store guy who ripped off. Well, see, there you go. That's do you want to be that guy, or do you want to just be known as an artist? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, there, there are a lot of things flying around my head right now. My first answer would be uh, the, the most gimmicky song of last year. Also, may have been the best song of last year. That was Old Town Road. And I don't know what's in the future for Lil Nas X, but I feel like that career trajectory, it's like if it, if it takes a novelty song to get you there, I, I don't know if there's anything but wrong with that. The album came out like, and the hype died down. And where's Lil Nas X? I don't know, he, he performed at the Grammys. You know what I mean? like, do you remember Trinidad James? I do. I remember the Super Bowl commercial. Oh, I do exactly. remember Trinidad James. Hold all in my watch. Don't believe me, just watch. You don't remember that? Wow. See, exactly. No, I in don't. Two, yeah, in two years' time, time is that the same thing we're going to be saying about Lil Nas X? He was just the cowboy rapper who hung out with Miley Cyrus's dad? All right. Well, here's well, here's the he, difference. You actually he, he brought up a good point though, because it kind of goes back to what we we started with, which is like not only just the artists but the apps themselves. Because like you, Jordan brought up versus, which has been doing incredible numbers with those those battles. Those battles got really uh, popular, and they will continue to be popular. Um, putting up uh, famous DJs against each other, and there was talk about how uh, black people were saying we should take this and make our own app. And make it and take it off of Instagram to 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 commodify how how powerful it is, and so it's like you're you're seeing the um, ideas of a, the new economy right before your eyes, whereas like like take five years ago, Snapchat was everywhere, and now Snapchat has nothing in the game left because everybody's going to Twitch and they're going to TikTok, yeah. and uh, and YouTube even YouTube is doing really well again because. Nobody ever used the, the YouTube Live part of their app, but now it's become huge again. Um, so it's like you're seeing things move so fast before your eyes and, and are already like like Trinidad James, uh, Snapchat is probably going to be left in the dustbin of history very soon. I, that's, my, that's my projection, <laughs> but I don't know if it'll end so up being is, true. So is but... Snapchat the Trinidad James of the app world? Is that, is that what we're... <laughs> I'm trying to follow this analogy here. I like it. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> well, when's the, last, when's the last time somebody brought up Snapchat to you and said, follow my Snapchat's channel on Snapchat? Dead. Yes, yeah, yeah, just like, I mean, that's kind of awesome. just the, the cannibalistic nature of apps anyway. And also it's just like, I think the attention span of young people where it's like they migrated very, very quickly. As soon as like the first old person showed up on Facebook, they dipped, you know, young people built Instagram. And then once the first like 30 year old girl, like in a pink restaurant showed up on Instagram, all the young people bailed and went to Snapchat. You know what I mean? Like, I think when things get corny, young people bail um and that you can't be successful and not be corny which might be its own lesson 
particularly relevant to hip hop and perhaps Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, though, once you have Diplo behind you, you got to take that check. (laughs) Diplo's not in that check. Yeah, and you know what? While you guys were talking, I was reading Trinidad James' Wikipedia page, and I've got some new information (laughs) for you. Listen, fine. I remember that song. There's nothing wrong with that song. (laughs) This is the Trinidad James episode. (laughs) Uh, Deep dive on Trinidad James. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm just pushing back against your theory because it's like, yeah, he had he was like a one-hit wonder, all gold, everything, right? But he did get signed to Def Jam, but he was lazy because he kept saying he was going to have new new music, new music, and he never came out with anything new, and then Def Jam dropped him. So the lesson is not like, you know, Trinidad James was a one-hit wonder if we forgot about him. He just didn't utilize, he didn't he didn't take the momentum that all gold, everything gave him. And, and because you know, kept going it was a gimmick. So you could be... But what's a gimmick? It's just about like you know, it was like he was like a character, you know, he wore all gold everything, and that's all he ever was. It's like uh, it's like actors that get shoehorned <laughs> into the same role over and over because the first role they come out with is their iconic role, and they can never escape that that identity. Listen, man, I, this is another thing I like to bring up any chance I get. Tupac <laughs> Shakur played a character in the movie Juice and decided to act like that character for the rest of his life <laughs> and became. <laughs> is considered one of the greatest rappers of all time. He was a character. He was a persona. You know, he went to Juilliard, man. He he performed at the Nutcracker, right? Like he became famous because he chose yeah, a persona. Yeah, I mean, but that's what that's it. what most rappers uh, do, but his rapper persona had a wide range of things it could represent. Little Nas X is the country rap guy. Yeah, that's true. He he really painted himself into a corner. But he's done a lot of good things with the fashion. I'll, I'll give him that. That's man. true. That hey, looks can't on that at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cutting to the Trinidad James episode. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we've been talking about Trinidad James for 45 minutes. All right, uh, I want to thank both of you guys for being here. This was a great show. It took all the twists and turns that I love to hear on the show. All incredibly relevant. I'm hoping that we can use the phrase "Rona famous" in the headline. I'll give you credit, Dre. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You'll be Rona famous for coming up with the phrase "Rona famous." But these are all really, really crucial questions, I think. And I haven't heard people talking about them in the way that you guys are talking about them. Um, best of luck to both of you. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of implications, you know, for you guys and for everybody about the economy. But I'm glad that you guys took time to be here today to talk about your experiences and share your observations and also remind us all about Trinidad James. <laughs> hey, it's a good song. It's a good song to get down to. So if you're at home trying to. Hey, Jordan, listen to it right now. Hey, Jordan, what oh, is your acoustics? A C O U P S T I X. And the P is silent, like, like a coup d'etat. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I have a wide, I have a wide range to my hip hop persona, so to speak. I was gonna make sure to give a shout out to Acoustics to tell everybody to follow them on every available platform. As soon as you know, although once Twitch is available, once TikTok is available, I'll send everybody to the um, to the Acoustic page for that. Too. Um, so shout out to you, Acoustics. Thanks to both of you guys for being here. This was a great show. Thanks to Eming, as always, our producer. Uh, and until next time, Quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.